You can be seated. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? So we have been going through the book of Acts, and we are going to be in Acts 14 today. Uh, Acts chapter 14. And what we've learned as we've been going and studying the book of Acts this summer, going into the fall, is the tremendous opposition that faced the church, the infancy of the church, and how it got started. And, you know, I think... I think sometimes as Christians, we might get a wrong impression or a wrong idea about suffering or trials or setbacks in our lives. Have you ever felt like, God, why me? Why this time? God, this isn't a good time. Okay, could you do it another time, right? And, and I, I think what we can misunderstand at times with God is that he uses those times and those trials and those sufferings for his good and for his glory so that we can draw closer to his son, Jesus. And what we're going to look at today in chapter 14 is we're going to look at this tremendous setback that from the physical looks like a huge setback for the apostles, but yet God uses it for his glory to change the life of a person. And so we're going to look at setbacks today. How many of you growing up or you have kids play shoots and ladders or Candyland? How many remember? How many remember those those games? Playing those games. How many like those games? Shoots and ladders in Candyland. I hate them. Hate, hate, hate. Uh, because the problem is, you can be doing really well, and then all of a sudden you land on the wrong spot, and you go all the way back to the beginning. For some reason, when I played Candyland, I would always get stuck in the molasses swamp. I could not get out of molasses swamp. Do you realize? that I was doing some research on Candyland. I'm very theological, by the way. So I, this is what I do all week, is research uh, Candyland uh, statistics. But I was reading that they got rid of the molasses swamp. Did you know that? 2002, they got rid of And so now it's called the chocolate swamp. That's not a swamp. That's, it's chocolate. I, I could live there in the chocolate swamp. Now, the funny thing about molasses, the reason why they said they changed it is because kids didn't know what molasses was. How many remember the saying, Are you're slower than molasses in January? How many remember that? That's the, best, that's the best quote in the world. Kids don't know what that is. So kids, look up Google molasses. And so I'm boycotting Candyland, by the way. I am never playing it again until they put back the molasses swamp. Um, those games, if you look at them, though, it's, it's all about setbacks. You, you, you think you're, you're, you're moving ahead, and all of a sudden you have this setback, and they've got to go back uh, to the beginning. And listen, how do we correctly view, and how do we correctly, that's the question, how do we correctly handle setbacks in our lives? Maybe for you it was a job loss, health issue, uh, perhaps it's a broken relationship, there was a, I remember this song when I was in my teens. It was by uh, Bruce Springsteen. And the song was called One Step Up, Two Steps Back. And, and it was a song about a difficult marriage and, and, and a man who just didn't make correct decisions in his life. And there's, there's a, a, a spot in the song that I thought was really interesting. And it says this, the man speaking to himself says, when I look at myself, I don't see the man I want to be. Somewhere along the line, I stepped off track. I'm caught moving one step up and two steps back. Have you ever felt that in your life? You feel like you get one, one step ahead and you feel like you're doing well and all of a sudden you just move two steps back. It's like you feel like you're doing well and then bad decisions or, or something unexpected happens in your life. It's disappointing when things don't go the way we want. It can cause frustration. And we can wonder, what is God doing 
in my life. And I want you to realize through what we're going to read today in God's scripture, in God's scripture is God uses the setbacks in our lives for his glory. And it is easy for us to get discouraged and almost walk in despair because we feel like my life is not turning out the way I want it to or why are these things happening or why isn't things going the way I want it to. But I want you to understand this, that God knows that our lives will be filled with setbacks. He knows it. Things we didn't expect and things we didn't see coming. And so God knows that. And one thing we need to understand, what was that? What? Sounds like opera. Someone's just singing opera. Um, that was cool. I like that phone ring. Um, one thing we need to understand that God knows and God works through them. So what we've been doing is been going through the book of Acts and how the early church was established. And it would not be easy for the infant church. And it was constantly met with resistance. So the church would face many setbacks, but it would preserve. And I want you to know that the early church preserved and the church will continue to preserve. The reason why is because God is behind her. I don't care if it's COVID or whatever it is, the church will not cease because God is behind us and God will work through every situation and he will ultimately get the glory. Somebody say amen. All right, so listen, so we, we can be confident in knowing that God's doing a work. So the church in its infancy faced these many setbacks, but yet it would preserve. And what we can learn is we can learn a great deal from the early church on perseverance and how God works best through resistance. Is anybody with me there? I know we don't like it. How many, you know, I remember when I was a swimmer, we used to wear these resistance suits and there were like cups uh, all over the suit. So when you would swim, it would drag you. It was called the drag suit. And it would just drag you in the water and it would strengthen your muscles. And I used to hate that when the coach said, okay, guys, we're going to put on our resistance suits today and we're going to really work hard. And we're like, I hate you and I want to kill you right now. I want to drown the coach, right? But the resistance from these resistance suits would strengthen you so that when you would take them off and you'd get in a meet, you would feel much faster, much leaner, much quicker. And so God uses resistance in our life to strengthen us in Christ. So we're in Acts chapter 14. Let me give you a little background here. Paul and Barnabas are taking the message of Christ to the world around them from Jerusalem where the church was started. And what's happening is people are receiving the message. Great things are happening, yet at the very same time, Others are very hostile to the message of Christ. So Paul had to endure, what we read in the scriptures is Paul had to endure persecutions, beating, being stoned. We're going to see that he was stoned in this story in Acts 14, shipwrecked, imprisoned, yet he did not give up. And what I want you to see today is this should encourage us today that God works through suffering and that Paul is a vivid reminder that Christ does not give up on us. Even when we see in the physical, this looks like a setback. God is using it for his glory. So what I want us to see today is that Paul and Barnabas are faced with his opposition in one town to the point where they had to flee, but it would seem like a defeat, but instead they went to another town that would actually change the life of someone forever. What seemed like a setback, God used for his glory to change the life of someone forever. So if you've got your Bibles or look up at the screens or look at or look at the scriptures on your phone, if you've got the app, uh, Acts 14, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 7 and we're going to be going through the whole book of Acts 14. But let's, um, 
Let's look at what happened here in this city and how God used this setup for his glory. So starting with verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 1, it says, The same thing happened in Iconium. Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogues and preached with power that a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. So what they would do is they'd first go into a city and they would first preach in the Jewish synagogues the gospel of Christ. And then they would preach it to the this, to this city. And so what you're seeing here is many are coming to Christ. It said, some of the Jews, however, spurned God's message and poisoned the mind of the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. But the apostles stayed there a long time, preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord. So that didn't stop them. And then the Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to to do miraculous signs and wonders. Now, here's the interesting thing. But some people in the town were divided in their opinion about them. Some sided with the Jews and some sided with the apostles. Now you think, okay, what's the big deal here? Well, what's going to happen is there's gonna, violence is going to break out against Paul and, and Barnabas. It's not good what happens next. Then a mob forms. Okay, so they're just going in the city just to preach the gospel. You think, oh, Paul and Barnabas are just doing this good thing. Now there's, now there's this mob that is formed against them. And so a mob of Gentiles and Jews, along with their leaders, decided to attack and stone them. They said, okay, we're just, we're just going to attack you. We're going to kill you. We're going to stone you. And when the apostles uh, heard what was going on, they fled to the region of Lycaonia and to the towns of Lystra. Now, I want you to look at the town of Lystra because this is what's going to, this, this is amazing what happens in this town of Lystra and Derby and the surrounding areas. And there they began to preach the good news. So what's happening here is Paul and Barnabas, they're traveling around the areas of the Mediterranean and they would be traveling in what is now modern day Turkey. At one point, they're in the city of Iconium and they're seeing many people come to Christ so much that it divided the city. They've got a mob that's going after them. They want to stone them. So now they leave Iconium and they go to Lystra. Now this is important because what they're doing and saying is making a difference. The gospel message is powerful to change lives. So what you're seeing here, this isn't some mamby-pamby message. So what you're seeing, because of the violence that's, that's rising up within their city, it's causing a ruckus, it's causing a division, because lives are being changed. They're seeing miracles happen, and people are not sure. They're like, wait a minute, we don't like what's going on. We don't like this uproar that's going on now, and what they're speaking. Because the gospel message is all-powerful, and it changes his life because of the power of Jesus' name. And so they're causing a ruckus at the point that they wanted to stone them. So they take off to the city of Lystra. Now, this is where it gets interesting. If if you don't think the Bible is exciting, you're reading it all wrong. I'm just telling you. If you don't think it's exciting, you're reading it all wrong. You need to read your Bible. Here's where the setup happens. So you see this, what seems like a setback for them. The apostles didn't give up for this reason. They knew... God knew that he was going to use the apostles. So they said, listen, I'm not going to give up. We're not going to give up. God's going to use us in this next city. You see, what the apostles understood is they understood that opposition would happen. They didn't falsely believe that there would be no resistance to the message. They knew what Jesus told them, that there would be tribulation. 
that there would be trials that would come their way from preaching the gospel message. So the apostles didn't give up for this reason. God knew that there was a man in Lystra and God cared about this man. So let's move on to chapter 14. It says, in Lystra, so they moved from Iconia to, to Lystra, and there was a man there who was lame and he had been that way from birth and he never walked. He listened to Paul and he was speaking. As he was speaking, Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed and called out and said, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. What's interesting about this is Paul had insight into this man's heart. The Holy Spirit gave Paul the ability to what was happening spiritually in this man's heart. Listen, The battle we fight in our lives is a spiritual battle. It's not a battle against flesh and blood, the Word of God tells us. It's a spiritual battle. And it would have been very easy for Paul and Barnabas to get discouraged and said, listen, we didn't sign up for this. We didn't sign up to get stoned and to get killed. They could have easily gave up and said, hey, we're going back home. But they knew the purpose of their calling. And they knew that suffering would accompany that. But what Paul and Barnabas didn't do is they didn't look into the physical. Because if they would have done that, they would have got discouraged and they would have gone off the, the, the missionary trail. They would have just left. They would have just gave up. They said, this is too hard. We're just going to give up. But what they knew is they knew God was still doing a work even in that setback and Iconium. And so what Paul does is he comes to Lystra and he begins to preach the word of God and he begins to see spiritually what's going on in this man's heart where he calls to his heart and tells him to stand up and he begins to walk. And we see the power of God. Paul knew that God was still working even though it didn't, wasn't ideal or even though it wasn't perfect. The Holy Spirit gave Paul the ability to see what was happening spiritually in this man. Listen, it's so easy to get caught up in our world, get caught up in our flesh, isn't it? It just is. We see things going on all around us. It's easy to get frustrated. But I want you to know that Jesus cares about people and that he peers in the hearts of people and he sees them spiritually, what's going on in their heart and the void that's in their life. And Paul saw that. Paul didn't get discouraged because of what he saw in the physical. He knew God was doing a deeper work. And so because he did not give up, a man's life was changed forever. See, something Paul was saying uh, and, and was speaking to this man Something grabbed this man's heart that he'd never heard before. And then we see this man's life change. Can you imagine what others are thinking? They had never seen anything like this. The only thing they could think of was that Paul and Barnabas were actually Greek gods. That's what they saw. They see this miraculous thing that happens before them. So they start saying that they must be Greek gods. And there's a whole interesting story behind why they thought that. But Paul and Barnabas would have no part of this. And so they began to correct the crowd and, and began to share the truth and who the true God is in Christ Jesus. And so here, here's what happens next. Those who didn't like Paul in the other city began to track him down. So here they are, they're in this new city. They see this miraculous sign and this wonderful thing happened before. This man's healed. And now the people in Iconium who didn't like them begin tracking Paul and Barnabas down in Lystra. Listen to what happens. We're going to continue in Acts chapter 14. And then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. 
Can you imagine this? Paul leaves this one city. They follow him. Now they stone him, leaving him for dead. But the other disciples had gathered around him. He got up and went back into the city. And the next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Now, here's what's interesting about this. This is crazy stuff here. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned where? What, what just happened in Lystra? He just got stoned there. This is, this is where the, the, the man began to walk again. He goes back to Lystra. What is Paul thinking? Is he out of his mind? How many of you, when you got stoned to death and got dragged out of the city, would go back to that city again? Right? Paul is, people are not lifting Paul up on their shoulders. We love you. We want you to come back to our city. Listen, the gospel message for Paul trumped all of that. The power of God and what God was doing in that city was greater than anything else. And Paul went back to the city. And we give the reason why. It says, They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true in the faith. And listen to what they say. This is amazing. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. You see, the reason why Paul and Barnabas um, did not give up, the reason why they weren't dismayed is because they understood their calling. They understood at the beginning the resistance they were going to have in their calling. And they understood the life-giving message of Christ meant everything. And they were willing to lay their lives down for that calling for Jesus' name. And it's amazing that you and I sit here today as products of this calling, of this absolute sold-out attitude for Christ and the message of the gospel. And so he said, listen, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. When, when easily they could have been dismayed, discouraged, disgruntled, easily given up. But they knew Christ was with them the whole way. They knew Christ was not going to leave them or forsake them. And so what they did here is incredible. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders um, for, for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord and the, in whom they had put their trust. So they go back because they knew it was imperative to establish the church and to teach the church and to have the church come together in prayer and fasting so that they would not only survive but thrive as the body of Christ. And so here Paul lays his life down for this and begins to strengthen other leaders. The very same city that Paul was stoned in in Lystra, he goes right back to that city. And the reason why he goes back to that city and these other cities where he was not welcomed is that he had friends there. He had one friend who was healed and then he had others who became disciples of Jesus. He encouraged them and the churches were started there. Now, if they, if they didn't leave Iconium, they would have never met the man in Lystra. Yeah, I want you to see something here. Your setback... God can use for his setup. Your, your setback, what you see is a setback, is like, God, how can, how can you use this situation? God uses it for his purposes and his glory. Even though Iconium looked, you know, they're like, hey, you're out of here. 
um, we don't want you here. We're going to kill you if you stay around here. Them going to Lystra meant everything for this one man because God cared about this one man. God cared about it. You see, Tim Keller makes a great quote here. He says, great quote from Tim Keller. He says, in the secular view, suffering is never seen as a meaningful part of life, but only as an interruption. You see, if if we look at what we go through and the difficult things we go through as, as an interruption, we won't learn from God. We're not going to learn from him. And that he uses these interruptions in our lives for his purposes and his glory. And the reason why the apostles didn't give up is they didn't see this as an interruption. They knew that it was part of God's plan, that God would ultimately get the glory. You see, you may not see it, but God does. God wants to use us to help others to walk again and not to give up. And so listen, what you're going through, what, what, you're, what you may see as a setback, like, God, why, why did this happen? Or Listen, th- there's a couple things that we can look at. A couple things is, is one, how many, how many have ever made a bad choice in your life? All right? Okay, if you haven't, lift your neighbor. Well, don't lift your neighbor's hand up because we're COVIDing, so don't touch them. Um, we're distancing here. Um, we've all made bad choices, right? Aren't you so thankful that God can even take our bad choices and redeem us and forgive us and give us his grace and mercy to change our lives? Aren't you thankful for that? Somebody say amen. Be grateful that even our dumb choices and the, and the wrong things we've done in our life, God can re- redeem that and use it for his glory and his purposes through his wonderful grace. And then there's things that happen that, that we're not in control of. Right? How many of you know we live in an evil world? And, and people make evil choices that do affect us. That, that affect us and affect our lives. And there's things that we're not in control of. And so we can easily look at those things in our lives and we can say, well, that's a setback. Why did this happen? And how many of you know, have you ever said this to me? God, I, why me? Why am I going through this, right? You ever had a pity party and you're the only one that's going to it because no one else is going to join you, right? No one else is there. It's just you. Listen, let me just say this. Going through difficult things in our life and suffering is not easy. And it's okay to cry out to God for help. It's okay to say, God, I need your help. I I don't understand why I'm going through this, but I need your help. What kept the disciples going and the apostles going is knowing that God was in control. And what they did was, listen, you need to trust the character of God more than the situation that you're going through. You have to trust the character of God that he is good that we are in the palm of his hands, that nothing will ever, he will not forsake us, he will not leave us, nothing will separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. When I'm going through a difficult time and I see a setback, when I begin to look inward and I lose sight of God, that's when I walk in despair. The reason why the apostles didn't walk in despair is they understood the character of God, that he is in control, that he is sovereign, that he is walking with them. You see, resistance causes us to cry out to God. It causes us to rely on him so that our roots grow deep in our faith in Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean that hardships are cakewalk by any means of the imagination. That doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to cry out to him. 
That doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to cry out to him and help. That doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to say, man, why am I going through this, God? I just need your help. But cry out to him and depend on him and allow him to work his will and his plan in your life. And it's hard because when we get a correct theology of suffering, you begin to read scriptures with different lenses. Because when you begin to really look at the lives of the apostles, they did not have it easy. But why did they have such a joy? Because they knew ultimately they were obeying the Father, that they were submitting to his will. And I don't know about some of you, but when you've gone through a deep trial, it just works you over, doesn't it? It does. It works you over. You, 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 just, you have a lot of emotional energy that you put into it. And you're like, God, I don't know if I have any more. I don't know if I have any more to give. And then you discover the grace of God. You discover the words that Jesus said to the Apostle Paul, that in your weakness, I will be strong. That my grace is sufficient for you. I believe over and over and over again, Paul had to completely depend on that grace that was sufficient for him through all he went through. And compared to what he went through, we don't really have it that bad, do we? (laughs) Right? But he depended on the grace of God. So the man who couldn't walk is really symbolic of our life before Christ, isn't it? It's sin cripples us and it takes away our freedom. It takes everything away from us. But Jesus came to set us free to allow us to walk again. And so by this man walking, we're seeing this freedom that he has now in Christ Jesus, that that Christ Jesus has the power over everything. You see, our suffering is never wasted. It draws us closer to Christ. Your suffering is never wasted in the sight of God. It draws us closer to Christ. The only way that I can even get a sense of suffering sometimes or or even in my life, some of the things that I've gone through and in my life, Kathleen, I have gone through, I've got to look to the cross. That's the only way because I think sometimes, have you ever felt this way? Like, oh man, I can't wait to get to heaven so I can ask God about everything I went through. Like, God, why did you do this? Or why did this happen? You know know what I think now? When I get to heaven, I'm not even going to care. I'm just going to be glad to be there. I'm not even going to care anymore. I'm just, I'm with Jesus now. I don't care. You, you did it for your glory. I just trust your Lord. I'm not going to care. But the cross, the cross helps me to make sense of suffering. Here's why. And how God can use setbacks for his glory. Think about the cross for just a moment. Now, we're looking back, looking at the cross, right? So we get it. We're like, oh, yeah, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Isn't that wonderful? Three days later, he rose from the grave, conquered sin and death. So we have that faith to believe because, because we're looking back. Have you ever wondered if you were living at that time? Yeah, amen. Yeah. Have you ever, have you ever thought? Because think about, would I have that same faith? Because all the disciples deserted him. Because the cross looked like such a setback. How would someone claim to be God and be a Savior die on a cross and give up so easily at the hands of evil men? And God says, you don't understand. I'm using this. I'm using this for my glory. The thing that seems so wretched and ugly 
and filthy and disgusting, I'm going to use for my glory. That's what he does for us. He uses our filthy lives before Christ and the sinfulness of our hearts and he changes us in the power of Jesus' name and then gives us Jesus' righteousness until I realize the filthiness of my heart, I will never realize the magnitude of his grace and how perfect it is. So when I look at the cross, I, you know, we would think, what a defeat. God, how can you use this for your glory? This is not a way a Savior is supposed to die. The Savior is supposed to come and, and, and rescue us from Roman tyranny and, 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 and become a king and set himself up right now. But that wasn't God's plan at that time. And so we have the Savior of the world dying on a cross. The cross, for so many, seemed like a great defeat. Disciples thought it was over, it's done. Yet God used the cross for his biggest setup, the resurrection. And Jesus conquered sin and death. And so today we look at an empty cross and we look at an empty tomb. That's what kept the disciples going is they knew that Jesus was alive. So that what they suffered was for him was not even in comparison to what he suffered for us. If you keep that in perspective, God will give you a joy that you can never ever experience in your circumstances. And I've got to remind myself, I talk to you guys all the time about being gospel-centered. And what I mean by that is we've got to keep going back to the cross and realizing what Jesus did for us and realizing the magnitude of his death for us and the grace that was given to us. That keeps you centered. That keeps you from stop depending on yourself and your own goodness and what you've done and depending on the righteousness of Christ. The reason why the apostles stood firm in their belief is because Jesus was alive. And they knew what was waiting for them. They knew that they had an eternal reward and glory for them because of what Christ secured for them. So I would just encourage you, listen, I, this was a downer. I'm sorry about that. I, but listen, we're, we're, gonna, we're, we're just, hopefully it wasn't a downer. I hope it encouraged, encouraged me. I, needed to, I was just preaching to myself. I didn't care if you guys were here or not, but I was just preaching to myself. Um, listen, we're going we're gonna to close in song and we're going to just sing about the name of Jesus today. His name is beautiful. His name is wonderful. And my, listen, I don't have a one, two, three step for you today. I'm sorry. All I got for you is Jesus. That's all I got for you today. And I would tell you today, whatever you're going through, whatever setback you might be in today, you turn that over to Christ and you rely on his strength and he will give it to you if you turn it over to him. I don't have the answers for why or why this is happening, but I know the character of God and he is good and nothing will ever separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That's our hope today. So Father God, we come before you today and Lord, as we open up our hearts to you, as we just close in song today about the person and the character of Jesus, I pray for anyone here today that is just struggling with their setbacks or struggling with their past or struggling with what they're going through now. 
I pray, Lord, that they would just turn that over to you, that we can trust you with our suffering. We can trust you, Lord, with our setback, knowing that you are good and that you're going to use it for your glory. That in the physical, what may seem like a defeat, God, you're going to use it for your victory and for your goodness and for your glory, God. And we just, we, we just place ourselves in your care and thank you that you never leave us or forsake us, that you will walk with us through this and give us the hope, give us the hope that we will be with you forever, that the tomb is empty, that Jesus conquered all of this for us, that Jesus' words ring so true, in this world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome this world. You've overcome all for us so we can trust you in our setbacks. So Lord, we give you our lives today and we just sing this to you. We want to thank you and praise you for all you've done for us. You're a perfect Savior in every way. And we want to be careful to ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's children said, amen. If you're able, would you stand? Let's sing this unto the Lord today. God bless you.